doing? I've got more than information. I've got information. Now, like, what, we're not going to do our talk right now. What I want to do is kind of just help us get orientated in this series because we started a series called Membership in Micah. We did the membership bit and we're up to the Micah bit, right? Micah is a book in the Old Testament and I want to help us understand where we're up to. Now, um, I saw the newest DC movie the other day, Suicide Squad. Um, it wasn't very good, by the way, so sorry about that if you want to see it. But my biggest issue wasn't that it wasn't very good. My problem whenever I see like a Marvel or a DC movie or something like that is that there's all this background information that you're supposed to know about. I never do. I never know what's going on. And so in Suicide Squad, I'm sitting there next to my friend Luke just asking him dumb questions the whole way through the movie. I'm like... Hey, Luke, how come that girl's dressed like the Joker? And he's like, you idiot, that's Harley Quinn. She's the Joker's girlfriend. I'm like, oh. Hey, Luke, why is Batman in this movie? And he's like, it's the Marvel, it's the DC Universe, man. And I'm like, what? Oh, okay, sorry. I'm like, hey, Luke, when's that Aussie guy going to get his superpowers? Because at the moment, he's just a bogan who drinks beer and womanizes people. And he's like, no, no, that's basically him. He's the worst superhero ever. And I'm like, oh, okay. And so... For the rest of this term, we're going to be going through this Old Testament book, Micah, right? And Micah's context is very different from ours. It was written 750 years before Jesus was on the scene. So it's like 2,700 years old, right? And so the danger for us this term is that you could easily end up like Jono in a DC movie, just completely confused as to what's going on, because you don't know any of the characters or what's going on. And so what I want to do for the next couple of minutes is just help us get our heads around the context of Micah, and then later on, after we've done some other stuff, we'll actually look at tonight's passage. Now, to do that, I want to first of all tell you a story. I want to tell you an alternative history of Australia, because uh, Australian history is really boring whenever you studied at school, but imagine if this actually happened, right? This is going to help us understand Micah as well, by the way. And also, I should say, I drew all these drawings with a broken thumb, so... No criticising my drawings. Now, imagine Australia used to be one happy nation with Canberra as its capital city, as you can see on the screens. But then, imagine one year the state of origin got a little bit out of control, and so we split into two separate countries and we had like a civil war, okay? And so now you've got in the red, new New South Wales, and then the rest of Australia. We kind of got Melbourne and we brought Tassie along because they just do what we tell them to, right? And so... The rest of Australia were like, well, you've got your capital, Canberra, we've got a new capital, it's Brisbane. And so they made Brisbane the new capital in the rest of Australia, and then New South Wales was down the bottom there. But then imagine this, imagine something even more hectic happened after that. (laughs) Indonesia invaded with its tanks and aeroplanes. Have I misspelled something? I had a broken thumb, you can't bag me out for that, right? And so, Indonesia invades, and at this point, New New South Wales is like, yeah, you're getting what you deserve, rest of Australia, shouldn't have split with us from the first place. And the rest of Australia is like, oh, devil, we're getting invaded by New New Zealand, right? Until, we go next slide, until things got real, right? Until pretty much all of Australia, except for just the capital, Canberra, was all conquered by Indonesia, and at that point, everyone, even in New New South Wales... Knew that, New, knew that Indonesia, not New Zealand, New Zealand's no threat at all, but Indonesia was everyone's problem, right? That's a little bit like the context in the book of Micah. Before Micah's time, God's people, Israel, 
were once this one united great nation together. And Jerusalem was their capital, their Canberra, right? But they had this civil war, and this really happened, this isn't just Jono's imagination, right? This really did happen, they had a civil war, and so they split into two kind of countries. And so the bottom half took on the name Judah for their nation, the top half kind of just kept the name Israel, they're like, we're still Israel. Um, But Judah kept Jerusalem as their capital, as it was from the beginning, the original capital, and then Israel up the top got a new capital called Samaria, okay? Does that make sense? That's kind of like the equivalent of Brisbane, you know, other stories, Samaria. And so there's kind of the context that Micah starts writing into after the split has happened. Now, here's the confusing thing, right? As we read Micah together, uh, and the Old Testament in general, sometimes it'll say Israel, and what Israel means is the whole nation, north and south, the whole united thing, And other times, Israel could just mean the northern bit. So that's a bit tricky, and you've got to work out what's going on uh, as to what bit he's talking about. Um, But this is what this is the time that Micah's writing to. And also notice that um, Micah, the guy writing this, is from a place called Moresheth, which is a town in Judah. And so, just open your Bibles real quick and look at Micah chapter one with me. Look at verse one. It says. You'll see all the stuff I've just talked about here in real short form. Micah chapter 1, verse 1. The word of the Lord came to Micah of Moresheth during the reigns of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. The vision he saw concerning where? Samaria in the north and Jerusalem in the south. So Micah's a guy from Judah living in a town near Jerusalem, just a little one called Moresheth. And he's writing to both the north and the south. He's talking to them, saying what God has for them to hear. So there's the context. Now, oh, there's more news, isn't there? Because, uh, just like in our other story, a big bad nation comes along and starts invading the north, called, not Indonesia, but Assyria, and that is a horse and a chariot, if it looks free, right? Now, initially, Assyria starts to invade the northern part of, this, of these two nations, and so the south could be tempted to kind of go, yeah, you guys are getting what you deserve, like, you know, kind of sucked in, maybe, right, good riddance. But very quickly in Micah, it becomes clear that this Assyrian army that's coming in is a problem for everyone because history tells us what actually happens is this Assyrian army runs right through the north of Israel and through Judah as well and they come right up to the gates of Jerusalem and they lay siege to the capital in the south, Jerusalem. Um, And right at the last minute, when it looks like they're lost altogether, God, in the end, comes through and wipes out the Assyrian invading army. Now, all of that's history, right? It happened, you can read about it in 2 Kings, Assyria did those things and invaded those places. Um, And so it's into that context that Micah delivers his message, that this, this Assyrian army that's coming in the future, he's talking about them coming, and it's currently a split nation as he writes to them. Now, there's the, there's the background to the, con, to, to the book of Micah, right? And so, if we can get our heads around this stuff, which I hope you've kind of followed all that, hopefully your experience of this won't be like me watching some superhero movie that you don't understand. Um, now, as you hear all this as well, I wonder if you're hearing this going, well, that's a lot of like historical background and stuff. Um, seems like maybe the Bible's really hard to understand, and if we didn't have all this background info, maybe we'd be lost. So, like, is the Bible really hard to understand? I want to say two things about that. First thing's this. Even if you didn't understand any of what was just said, I hope you did, but if you didn't get that, you would still get plenty out of Micah, with or without that stuff. But secondly, guess where we get all that background info about Micah from? 
Where do you think we get it from? It's in the Bible. Yeah, you just read other parts of the Bible and you'll see it there. So it's not like me or anyone else who talks about this stuff is some special expert. It's just stuff you read in the Bible. The Bible helps you understand the Bible better. So if you want to become like an expert in DC comics or movies or whatever, don't like get a textbook and like study the world of DC comic books. Just start watching lots of the movies and you'll pretty much understand it. And the more the movies you watch, the more you'll understand the other movies. That's just how it works. The Bible's like that. The more you read it, the more you understand it, the more you understand the next bit because it all kind of bounces off each other. So guys, there's the background to the book of Micah. We're going to start our series in that in just a little bit. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to do one more thing before we look at the Bible together in an actual passage. So let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your sovereign hand over all history, the events that unfolded in this nation, Israel. Thank you that you're in control of them as well. And we pray, Lord, that as we embark on this series in Micah together, I pray that you'd blow us away with who you are, your goodness, your justice, and speak to us tonight. Amen. All right, I'm back. Did you enjoy our little history lesson? That's good, all right. Let's pray and get into the Bible together. Let's pray. Father God, I pray once more that tonight you would help us see you clearly. Um, Help us see ourselves clearly and please speak to us through your word. Please do a work among us now by your spirit. Give us soft hearts to hear what you'd say to us tonight. Amen. All right. Um, There's stuff been going on in our world that I reckon just, it screams out for justice. This this winter, ISIS blew up hundreds of people in bombings. Um, More than a thousand people have been killed from their attacks this year. Last month, you'll remember, they did an attack where they drove a truck through a crowd of kind of families and people in France, killed 84 people. This same group of people is responsible for uh, burning to death a 12-year-old Christian girl um, in Syria because her family didn't pay their taxes, their religious taxes. Um, And so you hear this kind of stuff again and again and again throughout this year in our world, and you you just feel like, man, I wish someone would do something about this. I wish it would stop. I wish that they would face justice for what they're doing. I don't know if that's your experience. That's how I feel. Um, Closer to home, just in this last week, heaps of you guys would have heard about a um, a child porn ring um, that's been targeting people from schools around Australia and, and even schools on the Central Coast. A website where people are trading and posting pictures of naked teenagers against their will, without their permission, um, and spreading it all over the internet. Um, Girls that haven't consented to anyone seeing this stuff are being posted about and talked about um, and debased by the way they've been talked about and and the things that are happening there. Now, that kind of stuff can't be undone once it happens. It's on the internet and it's there to stay and it damages people's lives. It it messes stuff up. And a bunch of you guys... um, and, and. all, all this happening so that a bunch of guys behind a keyboard can kind of selfishly pursue their lusts at whatever the cost of the people that they're doing this stuff to. And so people this week on Facebook have been outraged about it. I've, lots of my friends and so on, it's been in my news, news feed all week, have just been angry, just been disgusted about it. I felt anger welling up inside of myself about it. Um, and I think, man, I want this to be brought to justice. It's just so unfair that this is happening to these people. And so when will they answer for what they've done? When will justice come? It's a question that comes up again and again. 
Tonight's passage in Micah addresses those sort of questions in both a wonderful and a terrifying sort of way. So here's the first thing I want us to see in Micah tonight, and it's this. God brings justice and he crushes evil. It's wonderful and it's terrifying. Look at verse 2. He starts by talking to the world and he says, Hear you peoples, all of you, listen, earth, and all who live in it, the sovereign Lord, that the sovereign Lord may bear witness against you. That's you, that's me, that's all of us, that's people who live on the earth. The Lord from his holy temple is talking to you, to me. He's addressing all of us. And, And he's saying to the world, hey, world, listen up. I'm talking to all of you. I will not tolerate evil in my world. Now, he's going to get specific as he talks about Samaria and Jerusalem in a second, but let's just pause and remember that this is God addressing all of us as he talks about evil here. He's concerned about evil everywhere in this context and in our context. And then Micah tells us more about the God who's addressing us, who's speaking to us. Look at verse 3. It says, look, the Lord is coming from his dwelling place. He comes down and treads on the heights of the earth. The mountains melt beneath him and the valleys split apart like wax before the fire, like water rushing down a slope. There's imagery of our God stomping on mountains and valleys and leveling them in front of him. His footprint is huge. His power is inconceivable. He melts mountains as he treads across them, is the image. Mountains are about the most unmelty thing you could ever think of. And he's saying, yeah, picture Mount Everest. God just stomps that flat. It melts under him like a spilt cup of cold rock on a hot day. It's just a puddle on the ground under the foot of this God. Now, what's that fierce power aimed at? What's, why is God stomping on the mountains? It's because of sin. Because in this passage, it calls it transgression, which means breaking God's commands. Now, Micah starts by talking specifically about the north of Israel. And he says in verse 5, all this is because of Jacob's transgression, because of the sins of the people of Israel. Now, here, Jacob means the northern part, right? But then he starts talking about the capitals of both north and south Israel. He says, what's Jacob's transgression? Is it not Samaria, the capital? What's Judah's high place? The high places is where they worshipped other gods. He says, is it not Jerusalem? He's saying that the capital cities in these two nations now is the place where the leaders are leading them astray. It's the place where the evil is starting. It's where it's kind of getting out into the rest of the country. It's setting the direction, whether for good or for bad. And in this case, it's bad. This, these nations have been up to heaps of evil stuff. We'll actually hear about that a lot next week in chapter 2. Some of you might have already looked at it in G-teams, all right? They're oppressing poor people. They're treading them down. They were greedy. They were stealing. They stopped listening to the Word of God. And in this passage just here, Micah particularly wants us to see one thing. Look at verse 7. They're worshipping idols. He says, all her idols, all their idols will be broken to pieces. All their temple gifts will be burned with fire. I'll destroy all her images. Since she gathered her gifts from the wages of prostitutes, as the wages of prostitutes, they'll be used again. All that kind of temple stuff is talking about how they're worshipping false gods. 
in their, in their temples, in the, in the north particularly. Israel had abandoned their God. They'd walked away from him. They were worshipping other gods. They were bowing down to them. And Micah wants us to see that this is terrible. It's a terrifying thing to walk away from the one true God. And because they'd walked away from the one true God, they were now doing all sorts of other evil things to each other. So Micah knows that God knew it, and God is going to do something about it. Check out verse 6. Look at what God's going to do. Therefore, he says, I'll make Samaria a heap of rubble, a place for planting vineyards. I'll, put, I'll pour her stones into the valley, and I'll lay bare her foundations. He's saying God is going to turn this nation in the north into a dirt field, the kind of place that's all kind of churned up dirt so you could plant a vineyard there. That's going to be Samaria. That's going to be Israel in the north. Now, how's he going to do that? Through the Assyrians that are coming. That's why it says that their wages will be used to pay prostitutes in verse 7, as in an invading army is going to come and take everything and use it to pay prostitutes like they did in armies then. So Assyria is going to come and invade, and it's going to turn them into rubble. It's going to run the place in the ground. Now, as Micah kind of gave this message about the northern part of Israel, I reckon he kind of would have had mixed feelings. I reckon it's terrifying to think about this kind of stuff, that God would come and bring this sort of judgment. It's terrifying, but it is also right. Micah would have known how evil this nation was, and it was right that this justice comes, but it's still heavy. (laughs) They deserved it. They deserved to face God's anger, but it was heavy to think about. Now, I think for us, our problem is is that we struggle to ever see the goodness of God's judgment, I reckon. I reckon we hear about this and we go, whoa, that's that's pretty old school of God. The idea of a God who gets really angry, who comes in judgment, melting mountains and crushing sinners, that just sounds pretty a bit full on. Isn't God supposed to be the loving, nice guy who's really forgiving? So what's he doing turning nations into dirt fields? Like, what's going on here in the Bible? Now, I reckon you can think like that for a little while, but only as long as you can ignore the problem of evil in our world. As long as you're pretending that people are mostly pretty good, maybe you'll ask that question. But eventually you've got to ask this question, what kind of an evil God would ever ignore something like ISIS and never bring them to account? What kind of an evil God would ignore, you know, allow a bunch of creeps behind a keyboard to exploit teenage girls and treat them like pieces of meat to be traded? What kind of God would allow that and, 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 and ignore that and never do anything about that Not the God of the Bible. Not the God we follow. That God is the one who will bring justice. And he's got the power to do it. He melts mountains under his feet. His judgment is perfect. He never gets it wrong. And all the evil in this world will one day be crushed and judged and set right. Now, you might be a little bit unsettled by the thought of a God who judges like this. It's heavy. But I'm more unsettled by the thought of a God who does nothing about evil in the world. That kind of God is actually a monster. Now, here's the thing. As we think about 
evil that's kind of out there in the world, um, I reckon it is, it is easier and it's even comforting to know that God's going to judge the evil that we hear about out there in the world, isn't it? You hear about all the other terrible things that other people do and you go, yeah, good. I'm glad God's the judge. That's right. <laughs> but here's the second thing I want us to see tonight, and this is a little, probably more unsettling. Here it is. Evil is closer to home than we realise. It's in us too. That was kind of Micah's experience as he kind of processed this judgment on the north, right, in Samaria. On the one hand, remember, Samaria was his enemies, and so he might have been tempted to go, well, good, they deserved it. Um, See, Micah's from the south. But have a look at verse 8. Look how he reacts to the judgment on the north. He says, because of this judgment coming for them, I'll weep. And I will wail. I'll go about barefoot and naked. I'll howl like a jackal and moan like an owl. <laughs> now, that's a picture of a funeral. In Australian funerals, right, we dress in black, we cry quietly, and we talk to our strange uncle that we don't usually talk to. But for them, they wore shredded up clothes and they just yelled and screamed like wild animals to show their, 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 how upset they were about what was going on in their funerals, right? Micah's upset. He's saying, this is bad. I'm upset. Now, why? He knew they were evil. He knew that they deserved it, and they did. Well, the reason is because evil is closer to home than we realise. See, for Micah, this wasn't just a problem with the people out there in Samaria. This was a problem with his people. Look at verse 9. It says, For Samaria's plague is incurable. And it's spread to Judah. It's reached the very gate of my people, even to Jerusalem itself. Now, I think Samaria's plague here is actually God's judgment. It's the Assyrian army coming for them. And he's saying, sure, it's come to the north, but it's actually come to my people too. It's actually going to come up to the very gate of Jerusalem itself. Hasn't happened yet. Micah's looking into the future. He sees it coming, and history tells us this is exactly what happened. The Assyrian army marched right across, Assyria, uh, across the top of um, Israel and then through Judah as well. And if you look at verses 10 to 16, there's all these towns that listen. It's like, sucks, sucks if you're here, it's really bad if you're from Lashish and all this kind of stuff. All those towns are towns in Judah. And he's saying, this army is coming through Judah as well. It's coming up to the very gates of the city, the capital, Jerusalem. It's going to stop there, but it's going to come right through my people as well. And so Micah's terrified because he knows not only is the evil that needs judging out there, the evil's close to home as well. So it's easy to think about God's judgment when we think of the evil that's out there in the world, and that's right to be comforted by God's judgment about those things. Don't get me wrong, but it's a whole other different game when we realise that actually we do deserve judgment too. It's easy for me to feel outraged at the things that ISIS do, right? But I still need to remember that there's violence in my heart too. It doesn't look exactly the same, but it is there. It's easy for me to feel disgust at the stuff been going on with this um, porn ring on the central coast, but I need to remember that there's lust in my heart too. And it may not look the same as that, but it's there. And so, just like the people out there in the world need judgment, and and rightfully so, it's good that God is the judge. I I deserve judgment too. And so, 
the point in remembering that isn't to go, okay, well, we're all kind of all equally bad or whatever, so we should all cut each other some slack and God should all let us off. No, no, actually it means we all actually really do deserve God's judgment. The really obvious people out there in ISIS or whatever, and us, the, the friendly year seven kid from Greenpoint who does what his parents says most of the time. All of us sin and all of us deserve God's judgment. We need to realise that if we stay in our sin left unforgiven, this same judgment that's headed for them is headed for us as well. So it's sobering. It's sobering. The picture I've got in my head is like a person filming like a giant wave for YouTube or something like that. You know, like, you know those waves, those tidal waves or whatever, that sometimes kind of freak wave washes across rocks and knocks some people over and it gets caught on camera. And so the person's filming and you see this big wave come and everyone's just standing there and this huge wave rushes over the rocks and knocks all these people over and it's kind of a little bit funny because it's on YouTube. And, and, and you can, it's kind of like you're a spectator watching this wave coming. But then instead of the wave subsiding and going out... The wave keeps coming at the camera and eventually the guy with the camera gets cleaned up as well and so everyone just gets taken out by this wave. We're not just spectators of God's judgment standing on the sidelines going, yeah, God, go get the bad guys because they deserve it. We're standing in the path. We're standing in the way of this wave of judgment as well. And if it were not for Jesus, we'd be swept away too. That's what you can see here in Micah chapter 1. And so guys, let's finish up by thinking, what do we do with this? How does this apply to us? First thing is this, take comfort in God's judgment. I've already said it, but I want to stress it again. It's a good thing that God will rightly judge the world. So take comfort in that. He will punish evil. No crimes or wrongs will ever be gotten away with. He will punish evil. God sees it all. He cares deeply about it. And he's going to fix it. It's good that God is the judge of the world. But secondly, guys, flee to the Saviour Jesus. Remember that you too will face God's judgment unless you're in Jesus. So flee to him. Run to him. Put your trust in him. Listen to this verse. It's up on the screen. It's from Hebrews chapter 9. It says, Just as people are destined to die once and after that face judgment, it's a fact It's happening to all of us, So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. We're all going to die and meet God one day, but Jesus was sacrificed on the cross to pay for our sin. And so every person here has a choice. Everyone here has a choice. You can either choose to remain in your sin and face the consequences for your life yourself, Or you can choose to have Jesus be the one who pays that price for you. That's what Jesus is all about. His life was about his death. He came to die to save you. And so you've got a choice. Face the consequences yourself or have Jesus pay it for you. We don't deserve it. It's a free gift. We didn't earn it. But the offer's there. And so take forgiveness in Jesus. And guys, here's the third thing. Have a heart for the lost. Care for those who don't know Jesus yet. There's lots of people in our schools, our sport teams at work, here at youth as well, who don't know Jesus. So many people. 
so love those people enough to talk to, to, talk to them about Jesus? Someone, if you're a Christian, someone loved you enough to tell you about Jesus. You didn't earn it, you didn't deserve it. You heard this good news somewhere from someone. And the only way the other people around you in your life are going to hear that same news is if you tell them. And so love them enough to tell them about Jesus. The only way to be forgiven. Guys, let's pray. Father God, we confess that our world is a broken place, full of evil and sin, sin against each other and the terrible things we do to each other, and particularly sin against you. Father, we want to own that. We're sorry that that's the case. And we thank you that you are the good judge who will one day bring justice to our world. Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus. It means that we are spared. Help us to keep trusting him and we pray that many, many more people would hear about him. Amen.